folks, this is Sabrina Merchant, and welcome to a special episode of the Clips Nation podcast. Today, I am joined by Christian Rivas of Silver Screen and Roll to discuss some topics that affect both the Clippers and the Lakers. We're going to try to turn this into a weekly segment called the Los Angeles Basketball Show. This was a particularly auspicious week to start because the Clippers and the Lakers bonded together to make a powerful statement after the NBA players' strike in Orlando on Wednesday. So be advised, there will be some Lakers talk, but also plenty of Clippers content as well. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? I am Christian Rivas, one of the writers here at SilverScreenAndRoll.com, a Los Angeles Lakers community. And today we are doing something a little different. Uh, and I say we because I am joined by Sabrina Merchant, who contributes to ClipsNation.com, our Clippers community at SB Nation. Um, and Sabrina, what we're going to be trying out over the next few weeks, uh, assuming there is a, a season, is a <laughs> L.A. basketball podcast where we talk about the latest happenings in the Los Angeles basketball scene, because uh, for the first time in, I don't know, ever, <laughs> there is an L.A. basketball scene that isn't just one of the Clippers or Lakers. Obviously, the Lakers, for most of the city's history, have been the dominant force in L.A. basketball. But in recent years, with the emergence of Lob City and now um, 2-1-3 with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, there is a legit competition there. Whether people want to admit it, there is a budding rivalry there. Not every rivalry needs to be, you know, Celtics Lakers or dare I say Clippers Warriors. <laughs> it is a it's a fun rivalry and I'm something I'm very glad we get to talk about and get into on a weekly basis. Uh, but that is all I have to say about that, Sabrina. I'm going to go ahead and let you talk now. My apologies. I uh, just wanted to set that up, but now it it's here. We're doing the show. It's happening now. Yeah, I think uh, it's such a funny day that we decided to start doing the L.A. basketball show because (laughs) both of the L.A. teams kind of decided yesterday that maybe there shouldn't be a a season to continue. Which is is not uh, like a bad stance to have. I Mm -hmm. think players from both teams, especially being from L.A., uh, have just had a rough year. Like... There, I know people talk about the Lakers having probably one of the hardest seasons for any NBA team in history, just from like an off-court standpoint. Uh, but I think a lot of the times people discount the effect it had on the Clippers. I mean, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both kids from Southern California. Obviously, the death of Kobe Bryant hit them uh, in a big way. Um, and Kawhi and Paul George in their first year getting to enjoy being at home with their families in Los Angeles are sent across the country to play basketball in a, you know, in, in a, an environment they've never been in before for what will likely be multiple months. So it is, um, it's been a tough season for both teams. I don't want to discount anything that the Clippers have been through this season. So uh, it is not at all surprising to me that, that in conjunction with the the civil rights movement in the United States and what sparked it. If they're done compromising and if they're not they're not willing to budge anymore, I think this is a fine line to draw in the sand. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you bring up an excellent point about the mental health aspect of it all, because uh, I do think that these issues kind of bubble up, for lack of a better word, because players are in a confined environment. They can't go out and do anything to help their communities right now, right? They're stuck in Orlando. Uh, they can't just leave, you know, otherwise, you know, there's a whole quarantine process for coming back. They feel very limited and helpless in what they are capable of doing. And so this was an action that, you know, has never been taken before in NBA history, but it was what was available to them at the time. And, you know, Landry Shamit uh, from the Clippers was on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast earlier today, and he was saying that there's just this overwhelming feeling of like numbness and helplessness among yeah. the players. And, you know, they had three postponements of games yesterday, starting with the Milwaukee Bucks sitting out of their game against Orlando Magic. Uh, I do find it interesting that Milwaukee was willing to take the forfeit and Orlando was like, no, we're, we're in this together. Like, let's, yeah. let's keep going. Um, and then they had this meeting, you know, in the evening and a lot of things were said in this meeting. Uh, from what I understand, uh, the most glaring takeaway is that the Lakers and the Clippers both voted to discontinue the rest of the season. But it seems like their emotions are really high. You know, no one was really working clearly towards anything. And 12 hours later, everybody wakes up in the morning with clearer heads. They've calmed down a little bit. And now what was a pretty radical decision to decide not to play anymore has been tempered, right? Like uh, the main voice for the Lakers, LeBron James said that well, those close to his thinking have said that LeBron <laughs> still wants to play now. Um, and, you know, on the Clippers, Doc Rivers has always been a very prominent voice for your platform comes when you play. So don't stop playing because of outside forces. Like we didn't stop playing for Donald Sterling. We're not going to stop playing for cops. And like those lines of thinking have sort of started to come back. But I do think it was an important step that they made by not playing. And whether that lasts for three days or for the rest of the season, it's still meaningful. Yeah, that that was my primary takeaway yesterday is I think the knee jerk reaction to the players sitting out the games yesterday and, you know, I don't want to say threatening, but for the owners, it is threatening to cancel the rest of the season uh, or to not play for the rest of the season. I think the knee jerk reaction there is like, okay, well, what, what's that going to do? And my initial reaction personally was, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to do, but I do know that this is, something significant that in my five years of covering the league, I've never seen before. And Lord knows that this is not the first incident to spark a conversation like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think back, Kobe Bryant's been retired for seven years now. Four years. <laughs> uh, before Kobe Bryant retired, he famously wore the I can't breathe shirts. The, him and the Lakers wore the, wore the I can't breathe shirts on the court. This has been going on for a very long time. It goes back to what Landry said, though. It's like, okay, we're here. We're together. What are we going to do? And their decision was, well, we're not going to play basketball. Whatever happens as a result of that, whoever, you know, pockets are hurt as a result of that, so be it that the, the first night of these conversations were all just knee jerk reactions. And I think we saw it from the fans and the players the next day. I think we're seeing more 
I guess, productive conversations, um, which is ultimately what I think the goal of, of these protests were is if, if the, if the players are going to return back to the court, it isn't going to be because they're over it. It's going to be because they want to see tangible change from the last time they took the court. Now, you and I do not know what that's going to be yet. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be pretty similar to the conversations that were uh, that were had before the season even restarted. Like this was the exact conversation that was had before the season restarted. Uh, and the reason, you know, players like Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard were so outspoken by saying like, hey, we're going to go play basketball. There are bigger things that still need to be taken care of. And us going to Orlando might take away from that. Whether or not that's true, it's clear that it is still a problem. They're in Orlando, and they felt the need to do something about it. Yesterday was the first step. The next steps, I think, are going to be the most important, and and we'll find about find out about those over the next few days, I think. Right, and that's what I liked about the Bucks part in this so much is that their first steps were very tangible. Yeah, They got on a call with the district attorney or – Uh, two high-ranking officials in the state of Wisconsin in order to ask why the cop who shot Jacob Blake has not yet been prosecuted. Um, They wanted to figure out why the Wisconsin state legislature has been inactive for the last few months while the state has been going through a pandemic. (laughs) Um, These are very legitimate questions, and they used the time when they normally would have been playing a basketball game to do something else productive. And I don't know if those conversations led to anything, Um, obviously, that doesn't seem like the state legislature has met yet, but we do know that charges were brought against that uh, individual who shot two of the protesters. So that's something, um, but it, it was like an actual, these are the goals we want to get accomplished. Instead of playing basketball, this is what we're going to do. And it felt productive, right? But then you bring like 13 teams into a ballroom and there are media standing right outside. And like, I was listening to Shamit talk and he was saying, it's like a, like a paper thin door. So the media can hear everything that's happening in the room while they're talking and things are getting leaked. And you don't know if people feel entirely comfortable saying everything that they want to say. I know Patrick Beverly was apparently one of the voices who asked for the coaches to leave the room because players wouldn't want to admit in front of their coaches that they don't want to play. Like it's just a a difficult balance to strike. Right. So between that and like the heightened emotions and this being a day where everybody woke up expecting to play basketball and then ended up in this completely different situation, I can understand why it was, Difficult to have productive conversations on Wednesday. Uh, again, we woke up this morning basically on the West Coast with the knowledge that the league was coming back. Right. And I was more than a little confused because <laughs> we, you know, gone to sleep with these messages like Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James being two powerful voices against bringing the season back, and that the Lakers and Clippers both voted not to have the season. And that Udonis Haslam was like, if we don't have the Lakers and Clippers, what's the point of even being here? <laughs> because what are we point. doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, are we just going to advance Portland and Dallas to the next round of the playoffs? Like, no, that's not going to happen. But I, it seems like there has been a, you know, a, a refocus on what the players want to do that we're just not privy to because we are not in Orlando. We are not players. Uh, and I, my instinct is that there's been a little bit of pushback on how much got leaked yesterday. And so there's trying to keep that a little bit more under wraps. Uh, but I hope that we learn something that like the players got some concessions you know, for agreeing to play because otherwise I, I do think it's a nice statement and I'd still think I like the Milwaukee part of it, but 
what were the other five teams doing? You know, just showing solidarity with Milwaukee or did they yeah. actually manage to get something done? Yeah, I think so. The most interesting part to me is the act of standing in solidarity with those teams because that I think the general understanding among most I don't want to say casual basketball fans but the average person that follows the league is that all NBA players are unified on this front and this is something they strongly believe in which I do believe however the methods in which they go about it, I don't believe they are all on the same page about. That is the point of these discussions. And the thing that struck me, one, was that LeBron James reportedly expressed a desire not to play because before the season even started, LeBron was one of the first people to say, hey, I think we can do this while playing. I yeah. think that would be a good idea. And it prompted that famous Patrick Beverly tweet that said, <laughs> Hoopers say what y'all want. If King James said he hooping, we all hooping, not personal, only business. Right. It, the general consensus is if LeBron wants to play, we're going to play. Mm-hmm. By that same logic, if LeBron James does not want to play, we're not, we're not going, going to play. play. Yeah. And so it, there was a report from Kyle Goon of the OG, OC Register on Thursday that essentially said, LeBron James, like, LeBron James has since decided to play. Like, he's open to the idea of restarting playoffs on the condition that things are changed. However, if LeBron had said, I am not playing, the rest of the Lakers would have followed suit, even if all of them didn't want to stop playing. And you, you have to imagine conversations like this are going around through throughout the teams that are still in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, there are players that understand the cause, want to fight for the cause, don't want to stop playing basketball for, for whatever reason. Whether they believe it's, you know, the correct platform, they, they enjoy the platform they have while they're in Orlando, or, you know, it is just a career or legacy move for them where they... Which is totally fine. Yes. It's, it's a basketball decision. Um, what, whatever the case may be, it is more complex than players just uniting together and standing for something. There is obviously going to be compromise in some places. There are going to be decisions made that are going to be harder for some players. And the thing I am interested in seeing over the next few days is if individual players are going to make the decision to leave the bubble as a result of this. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because um, just bringing in like the WNBA side of this for a second. Yeah. uh, They had three games scheduled yesterday, just like the NBA, but they're regular season games, not playoff games. And there were conflicting reports up until tip off that, you know, either the WNBA is going to play with some sort of encore protest or, you know, we weren't sure if they were just going to set out altogether. And it came down to the fact that the Washington Mystics said they were uncomfortable playing, that they did not believe that they could take the court. And so the rest of the team said, okay, we're going to be with you, you know, like one team does something, everyone's going to do the same thing. And so I, I just can't see any of the NBA players, you know, after we've already seen the whole group of players decide to sit out because Milwaukee said we can't play. um, I can't see any individual players saying, you know what, it's not good for me to be here now. I'm going to head out. And like, I understand it's different than like one team acting 
like differently from another team. It's just the solidarity part of it seems to be the, the big piece here. Yeah. You know, the fact that they've all stepped in together. Because like, like I said earlier, Orlando had the opportunity to just take the forfeit. And they did not do that. Because that would have sucked. And, and they could have used it. <laughs> right. They could have been down 3-2 yeah. in the series, right? Like that's a meaningful difference. Uh, but they all decided to do the same thing together. They met together. How impactful that meeting was, you know, when everyone's tempers were flying and the emotions were really high and they're all dealing with the mental stress of being the bubble. I don't know, but they're trying to work through this as a union, as a group. And my instinct is that they are going to continue to do that. The people who are in the bubble are going to keep working together. That makes sense. And I, I want to point out it, that it wasn't just the NBA and WNBA. It was also mm-hmm. the MLS, the MLB, I don't think the NHL followed suit. Oh, the NHL did uh, cancel their games today on Thursday. Okay. But yesterday they were a bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> but they came around. And, and I also think, like uh, Naomi Osaka uh, pulled out of the tournament that she is playing in. Um, I did see she that. She said, I'm a black athlete first. Yeah. The I saw the Apple Notes um, statement she released, which is much better than any Apple Notes uh, statement that the New York Knicks have released in their franchise's history. Um, And I think that is, as somebody who loves sports, as somebody who's covered sports, is a significant day in history for me. I will never forget the response people had to the Milwaukee Bucks protesting their game yesterday. Like, it is unlike anything I've ever seen before. My question, or rather concern, is are we going to look back a month from now, a few years from now, and see August 26th as a turning point of sorts in this ongoing fight for racial equality? Or was it just a powerful statement in the sports world uh, because of the magnitude of athletes and sports involved um, and the message it sent, which, you know, assuming it's the latter, I think if there's one thing to take away from this, it is that players kind of did a, a heat check. Like they were saying, listen, Without us, you don't have games. You do not have a league. You don't have a message to promote. You can have Black Lives Matter on your court. You can have it on the LED screens around the court. Without us, that message rings hollow. And if you continue to to put those messages out without us feeling comfortable that we're doing enough, what is it actually doing? More than anything... Again, assuming that this is the end, and I really, really hope it's not. I think that is the biggest takeaway I had from yesterday is players kind of putting owners in check saying, hey, and, and, and you know, th- to add some credibility to it, because I, for one, <laughs> I can speak for myself and say, listen, <laughs> I'm not the, the lead authority on this, uh, but Taylor Rooks reported on Thursday that LeBron gave what she described or what sources described to her, I should say as a strong and thoughtful message, basically saying, listen, this only works if we all really care about this, the names on the back of our jerseys, the slogans on the court, those are all really great things that 
send a nice message across the country. But unless we really, really care about this, unless this is something we care about when we're not playing basketball, when we're not on those court wearing those jerseys, this means nothing, ultimately. And I think that is a really powerful message to send, not to just the players who he was addressing or even the owners who he was addressing. It really is about the movement in general. This is something we all need to care about, you know, when we log off of our Twitter accounts or, you know, when we're not and and you know, yours and I's case, when we're not covering the league that's so invested in a social issue like this. Um, I thought that was a really powerful message. I'm really glad. I think the league is lucky to have a voice like LeBron James. Um, and so those, those, those are all of the thoughts I have um, on yesterday's events and, and, you know, what promises to be an eventful weekend. Right. And I think um, you you mentioned that the league is likely to have a voice like LeBron James. And obviously he has backed up what he has said in his personal life, you know, by the I Promise School and all of the work he's done for underprivileged children in Akron. And now the More Than a Vote initiative, you know, turning arenas into vote centers. Just today we found out that the Houston Rockets arena is also being turned into a vote center. So that makes, I think, like six across the NBA, which, you know, small number, but we're, we're working towards it. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul uh, also is, you know, trying to make sure that everybody in the NBA Players Union is registered to vote, uh, which he said he just got all the Oklahoma City Thunder registered to vote. So, you know, again, one out of 30 teams, but like, you know, these are, these are <laughs> impactful things, right? Yeah. Like if you, someone registers to vote then they, they, they get their families registered, you know, and uh, it's all part of the cycle, right? Like we have to start with small steps and keep moving. And then one more voice I obviously want to highlight is Doc Rivers, because People around the sports world, people around the country have said that that press conference that Doc Rivers gave on, I'm losing track of my days now, I think it was Tuesday after <laughs> game five of the Clippers Mavericks game. Yes. Uh, he, he really spoke to something that like resonated with people. You know, when he said that you're watching the Republican National Convention and they keep talking about fear and fear exists for people who look like us. Mm-hmm. And I've been listening to people in the MLS, like Chris Wondolowski said that his decision to sit out was directly motivated by Doc Rivers' comments. And like, that's another really powerful voice that the NBA is lucky to have someone who players seem to, you know, take to right? a coach that they will actually listen to and whether or not Rivers is in, you know, camp boycott, or I should say strike camp strike, or, you know, camp play the rest of the season out. He has said that he will do whatever his players said. Yeah. And, um, I think that he has definitely been a galvanizing voice for not just the Clippers, you know, dating back to the Donald Sterling situation, but even now, like I haven't heard a lot of coaches mentioned in these conversations. Rivers's voice keeps coming up. Uh, the NBA is just really lucky to have these guys who are so articulate and who have thought these things through. And, and fortunately in Rivers' case, who have gone through so many instances of racism in his own life, very public instances, honestly, um, that have informed the way he thinks about these things. Yeah. I, I, it really just goes back to, and I think this can be said about the NBA and the NBA media landscape, is it, it just goes back to the importance of black voices. Because mm-hmm. Frank Vogel can express solidarity as much as he wants, and he has. He said, if my players wanted to go home, and this is an exact quote, he said, if, if players wanted to go home, he'd support that because it's their decision. They've been through a lot. Um, but to have, to have 
people like Doc Rivers, LeBron James, Chris Webber, who gave just a beautiful speech on on TNT about you know his experience as a black man and and how this has affected him and his family and to have those voices um you know even going back to Bill Russell like Bill Russell as hard as it is to believe tweets and his <laughs> tweets are really powerful about how proud he is of the young generation for taking a stance that on on something that was a problem when he played like to ha- these voices are so important and i think personally i feel my job is to amplify these voices and support whatever decisions they make about their careers and their futures because it's their communities who are under attack and you know feel the weight of you know systemic racism and and oppression it's it's horrible that we we have to talk about this at all and it has nothing to do with the fact that we you know quote unquote should be talking about sports it's tragic because it's a human rights issue it is mm-hmm. a, a a human issue that you know i will never understand as a white passing latino man but i can listen and that is what I plan on doing. And uh, I will support whatever decision. Like, I can speak for myself when I say I would really like to see the Lakers win a championship this year. <laughs> Seeing Dwight Howard lift a Larry O'Brien trophy. In a Lakers jersey. In a Lakers jersey would be an incredible feeling. That being said, I'm I'm going to support whatever decision the players make because this is bigger than me and it's bigger than basketball. Right. There's, there's a couple of things you said that I want to hit on real quick. Um, as, as great as it is to hear these messages from Doc Rivers and Chris Weber and man, that Weber one really got me yesterday. Um, I, you can see the pain when they have to deliver these statements, when they are continuously called upon to be our moral conscience, like mm-hmm. it, it is a weight that they bear. Um, and I hate that it continuously falls upon them to remind us of what we should already know about racial equality, like that their lives matter. We, I don't know why we continuously need them to tell us and why we make them, I don't know, almost perform for us in these situations. Like uh, keep coming back to Shamit just because he's the only Clipper who I've actually like, whose voice I've heard today on this podcast mm-hmm. with JJ Reddick. But like JJ was saying that, you know, uh, he just feels bad that like every time these discussions happen it always comes back to the black athletes and they're required to make the statement and like you know jj knows that his voice is not as powerful as landry's in this instant because he's not black Mm -hmm. Um, but he still wants to be able to like help out and that's i mean that's all we can really do right is those of us who are not black is try to ease the burden on our fellow people and stop putting them in these situations where they have to continuously bear this weight of all of the trauma that they have suffered and just share it with us over and over again. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And the fact that these two teams, the Lakers and the Clippers who ostensibly have the most at stake in this bubble, uh, all due respect to Milwaukee, they also have a tremendous deal at stake. You know, I think those three teams, actually, those, the Bucks are the ones that, you know, made the strike 
the Lakers and the Clippers were the ones who voted to cancel the season reportedly. These are the three teams that everyone said was going to, we're going to win the championship. Right. Yeah. And that they, with all of this on the line, you know, with Giannis's free agency on the line and Anthony Davis's free agency on the line and uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being free agents next summer. Like that is a lot in terms of basketball at stake for these three teams. And for them to put this over that is remarkable. I, not that it would be very cool, you know, if like the Phoenix Suns had decided not to come to the bubble, like that would have been a great statement too, but like the stakes matter here. They're important. Yeah. It, it, it's not. And like as small as it seems in the grand scheme of things, like legacy plays a big part in these decisions too. This is most likely, I mean, I don't know if LeBron James is ever going to really decline. Um, but if we're to look at like just normal people, um, LeBron James is nearing the end of his prime. Sure. And this is likely one of the last years that he'll be able to compete for a championship. Right. Anthony Davis has never won a championship. This Dwight is the Howard's never best won chance to win a championship in their franchise's history. Yeah. <laughs> it is a... Uh, it's wild. And I think what the players have done is courageous. You can point to their jobs and how much they make per year as much as you want. The fact that they are willing to sacrifice things that mean something to them might not mean anything to anybody else but them. But to sacrifice things that mean a great deal to them for something that means something far greater um i think is really cool and i'm i'm i hope this is just the beginning um you know obviously i would love to talk about basketball because i like basketball um (laughs) and this podcast going forward will will be about you know basketball games and the happenings in the nba but i really hope this is not the last time uh, we talk about this. I hope, and I hope the next time we talk about it, it is because there has been tangible change and and progress. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nail perfectly. You know, the the players are the ones who orchestrated this. The players were the ones who put their livelihoods, or you know, at least their livelihoods for the rest of the season and their seasons at stake. They created this moment, and I hope that they are rewarded for it in some way. That will do it for our show this week. Uh, We will be back with, I think, what we're tentatively titling it as the L.A. Basketball Show. Um, There are a lot of directions we could go with this show name. I wrote down on a notepad, I wrote uh, the City of Stars podcast, but that really just seems like an Entertainment Tonight podcast. Uh, I don't know if we want to go that direction. There are a lot of L.A. and Hollywood cliches we could use. Sure. Um, I'm sure like a, a, a hallway tunnel thing, you know, related to Staples Center could work, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Eric Pincus and Josh Martin took the best. Uh, they do Hollywood LA, hoops. Hollywood yeah. hoops is the quintessential, like, bas- L.A. basketball podcast uh, show name. But, you know, the L.A. basketball show is just as sufficient as the Washington football team. Let's let's go with that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's our show. Thank you for listening. Uh, and you'll hear from us again next week.